my sermon today. Just kidding. See, I wouldn't know. I actually thought about queuing up a track and just let it play and wear this and just sort of walk around. Uh, as you know, uh, guys, um, our governor has asked that these be worn. This is a free zone. Uh, this is free space for this, uh, or if you don't want to wear this. So that's your choice. We're going to let you make those choices, okay? So um, I will, however, be wearing this on the exit as you come by, but that's mainly to protect you from my coffee breath, okay? Um, no, I'm just kidding. Trust me, that's probably worse than the coronavirus. Oh, hey, 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 watch. So anyways, uh, have your Bibles this morning. Let's take those and let's go to Psalm 95. We are continuing, finally picking back up uh, on our study in worship. And this is our third part in this series. You may recall that um, at the beginning of this year, before we knew what was coming in 2020, uh, we had a worship seminar and uh, we met with the praise team, the choir, others involved in the worship side, the music side of our worship. And it was to encourage us and challenge us to just re-examine and rethink how we do corporate worship. And so for all of us that come together here on Sundays to worship together corporately, um, I want us to think beyond just a Sunday gathering. Because as we've been learning, and you should know, worship is a natural outflow of who we are as believers in Christ. We don't just worship on Sunday mornings. We worship 24-7. Whatever you do, whether you eat, drink, Whatever you do is an act of worship. And so we want to always grow in that worship. We want to often examine our own practices and weigh those through the lens of Scripture so that we might better worship. And so in Biblical Worship 101, what we've been learning are some of these things. But I want you to take a look at today's text in Psalm 95. Follow along in the reading of God's Word, if you would. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully at the rock of our salvation. Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to Him with psalms. For the Lord is the great God and the great King above all gods. In His hand are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are His also. The sea is His, for He made it. And His hands formed the dry land. O oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Today, if you will hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the day, as in the rebellion, as in the day of trial in the wilderness when your fathers tested me, they tried me 
though they saw my work. For 40 years I was grieved with that generation and said, it is a people who go astray in their hearts and they do not know my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do come this morning in an attitude of worship. And Lord, I pray that you'll remove the distractions from our heart, from our minds, that we would focus upon you today. Lord, I pray that you'll draw us near into your presence, that we would exalt Christ, that he would be lifted high and be made much of here in this place. And so, Lord, allow us today corporately to look to you as we live in a day where we need to hear from you. We need to be reminded of our purpose and why we live, why we exist. And Lord, we know that's only found in you. Have your will today in our midst and in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. One goal. When you think about worship, you should think one goal. Exalt God. That's what we're designed for. To make much of God. To exalt Him. And corporately, as one. It's, this is why the musical side of things is important. We join together in unison. We join together in heart and we lift our voices to sing as one to an audience of one. He's the object of our worship. He's the object of our praise. Our life is lived, it should be lived, with one goal. To exalt Christ. Can I ask this morning, is that, is that your goal? Is that what you're living for? Is, is that what your business is about? Is that what your family is about? Is that what your life is about? Is that what your recreation? Whatever you do, is it in honor of Christ? Psalm 34, 1-3 says... I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Is His praise continually in your mouth? Or, or does on occasion that filthy joke come into your mouth? Does that word that tears down someone come into your mouth? Is that... Uh, that that anger that seeps out in the midst of conflict. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. To God be the glory. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt His name together. Because that's corporate instruction right there. Community Baptist Church, this is, this is a reminder to us 
corporately together. We labor together for the cause of Christ. The mission, the ministries that we do here, whatever those ministries or missions are, they're all for the same one goal, to exalt Christ, to make much of Christ. We have opportunity. Tonight, we're, we're launching our care groups. Guys, come check out your care group. Find out what care group you're in. All right? Uh, I want you involved in a small group. This is where we do life together. Right? This is nice. This is pleasant. We, this is good to come here. I like this. This is nice. But I promise you, you do not get invested in each other's life on a Sunday morning. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. We can't even shake hands anymore. We don't even get to hug each other anymore. And even that was superficial, shallow water. No, where your lives are ingrained with one another, where you're knitted together and your hearts are joined together for the cause of Christ, it's in the fellowship of Christ, should be around the things of Christ. Now, having things in common is good, but those things in common may just be the draw that God's wanting to use so that you can come together and develop friendships and relationships for His namesake. Right? That's our point and purpose. That's why God puts someone in your path. That's why God brings in new families into church so that you can connect with, so that you can get to know them, so that you can grow with them, again, around the things of Christ. And so we have opportunity in our small groups. Man, this is where the walls come down. This is where we can you know, share our burdens. This is where we can actually go a little deeper and discuss the things that we're talking about on Sunday mornings. But beyond that, you develop relationships and people that you want to actually see beyond Sunday morning. And actually spend some time with beyond Sunday morning. And so that worship is done not alone, not in a vacuum, but together. Tony Evans says, if you limit worship to where you are, the minute you leave that place of worship, you will leave your attitude of worship behind like a crumpled up church bulletin. Ouch. Hit it. Nail on the head, Tony. You see, for some of you, this is your worship. This is your good deed for the week. This is your, hey God, I paid you some homage, now back to my life. Now let me get back to my life. That's what I do on Sunday. I reserve that, I compartmentalize that for you on Sunday, God, but the rest of the week's mine. Now we won't say that, and we don't even necessarily think that, but we do that. That's just how we outflow with our life. You want to know what you worship? You want to know what the ultimate object of your worship is? What consumes you? Where's your passion? What is your life about? What excites you? What has your emotion, your will, and your intellect? That's your God. That's my God. If we're not careful, it becomes the wrong object of worship. Everyone worships. Don't let an atheist tell you he doesn't worship. Of course he worships. He worships self. He thinks his own intellect is a God in and of itself, and he therefore is the smartest and knows everything about everything. Now, I know that's a bit of a straw man type presentation, but the reality is at the bottom of that layer is I know best, and I don't think there's a God. Limiting worship is what we often do, even as known Christians. We profess to know Christ, but we don't live Christ. So how can we exalt God as the only true God? 
How can we exalt God as the only true God? We exalt God with more than our words of praise and music, right? Look back, if you would, at Psalm 95. I want us to sort of kind of aerial view of this, and, and I apologize. This is a, what we call a Holy Spirit last-minute entry. This is why it was not on the screen. You guys normally would have that on the text, and I'm sure they were going, oh, where's Psalm 95? It's not on here. He, put it in the, he didn't put it in the slide. Ah! I know he wasn't doing that, but I was. So, look, if you would, real basic outline. You can write this down if you want. You're taking notes. You can probably remember this. Psalm 95 is a staple on worship. If you want to get a good biblical look at worship in an aerial view, here it is. Notice we are called to worship in Psalm 95. And you'll see that we're, we're called to worship in three ways. Look at this natural outline in this passage of Scripture. The first way we're called to worship is with our emotion. Look at verse 1. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the Lord. You'll see words like sing, shout, thanksgiving, extol, music. All those involve emotion. Just look through there. We are called. He says, come. God's a God that invites. He says, come. Let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. He will forgive us our sins if we're willing to repent and come to Him in relationship. We've been talking about communication as part of our worship. He's communicated that to His creation. Come. Come. Throughout the New Testament, we see it. Come, those of you who are heavy laden and burdened. I will give you rest. If any man hears my voice, let him come. God is a God of invitation. Whosoever will, let them come. God invites us to worship, and He invites us to worship through emotion. Notice also, here's the second one, verse 6. How are we called to worship God? Through our will, through volition, through submission. Look at these words that you see there in, in verse 6. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. That, that takes the will. Jeremy, Pastor Jeremy, before he was Pastor Jeremy, was heathen Jeremy and lost sinner Jeremy. And I made choices, willfully made choices that I knew went against God in His ways and I chose to do those. And when God got a hold of my sinful heart and all of my depths of wickedness of sin and crushed me, by the way, and called me to repentance, I willfully repented and fell to my knees and bowed my heart, my spirit, my soul, my mind, my being to a living, holy God who was calling me with an effectual call. But you see the will. God expects us. We're called to worship. And you'll see these words. It's through submission. It's to come. It's to kneel down. It's to bow down. It is our volition. So we're called to worship, church, 24-7. We're called to worship with our emotion and our will. And then you'll see this third one in verse uh, 7 into verse 8 and following. And, and you see our mind. We're called to worship with our mind, with, with reasoning, with thinking. You'll see words like uh, here in verse 7. He is our God and we are the people of His pasture and sheep 
of His hand today if you will hear His voice. So you're hearing the Word of God. Are you responding to it? You're hearing the Word of God, but are you responding to it? James says, don't be a hearer of the Word only, but be a doer. So there is a volitional act, there is a will, there is a choice, there is an engaging of the mind that eventually affects the heart that transforms and changes our life. Tim Keller on this, and he has a great sermon on this series, and, and, and he says, worship is ascribing ultimate value. Hear me now. If you tuned out, tune back in. Worship is ascribing ultimate value to something in such a way that engages every aspect of your entire being. Emotion, will, and mind. Guys, that's worship. Worship's not just something we come in here and sing a few songs. Worship is not something that we just do on Sundays or Wednesdays or, or, or whenever. S worship is what is our life. Are you living for your Creator God? Are you living for Christ who shed His blood upon Calvary to forgive you, to redeem you of your sins? Because guys, this world is going to hell fast. And you are the light and the salt. You are the city on the hill. This church is the one that God has called out from the world. Separated us. We are more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. And He has put us on mission and given us a great commission. And that is our life. Let's live this. What is consuming you? What is your day in, day out? We are three blind mice. See how we run. Y'all remember that story, right? I mean, we're in a rat race. This is what we do. Everything else we think is important is not important. And I promise all of us one day will bow because every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. No one will escape that day. And then everything that we thought was really of value is going to be burnt up hay, wood, and stubble. Oh. God, give us a holy unction. Give us a new passion. Give us a new rebirth to remember whose we are, why we were bought with a price, and let's get back to worship. How can we exalt God? How can we exalt God with more than our words of, of music and praise? Well, here's some other ways that we can exalt God. All right, check these out. We exalt God when we value what He views as important. What does God view as important? The only way you're going to know, the only way I'm going to know what God views as important is by what's in the Word. If I don't know the Word of God, if I'm kind of a novice, I don't really understand the Word of God. And by the way, you know why we don't know the Word of God? Because we don't spend time in the Word of God. You want to know why we don't know the Word of God? Because when we have gatherings corporately where we actually open the Word of God and we study it, people don't show up. When we actually have viewings on our Facebook live stream and people open the Word of God and teach some depth of Christianity... Praise God for Tyson James doing some great 
uh, lessons over the summer. Guys, we've got to engage and feed the soul and the mind so that we know how to live. We don't know because we can't discern truth and error. Because we don't know what the Word of God says. Because our life is filled with other things that pull us away. I'm not saying the things you're doing is bad. In fact, the way Satan works is he doesn't lure you with fishing lures that are terrible. Okay? Unless you're a catfish and it's chicken liver and a pantyhose. That's pretty gross. But that's not typically how Satan lures us in. It's the shiny stuff. My favorite scene in... in um, uh, uh, what's the, the fish? Swims. Nemo, yes, thank you. Boy, that's pretty bad, isn't it? I couldn't, I couldn't find... I could, the f- sad thing is y'all actually knew what I was talking about. Y'all are on my team next time we play charades, okay? Um, but finding Nemo, and Nemo's swimming. You know, it's Nemo's swimming, Nemo's swimming, and it gets dark, and it gets real dark, and it's getting really dark. And there's oh, glorious light. There's the light. And you remember, remember how, how... It's Dory, right? It's, yeah, yeah. She's swimming, she's swimming, and... and she said, oh, she's mesmerized. It's beautiful. And what was there waiting, kids? <laughs> Big monster fish. Ah! Swing, swing, swing. Right? Isn't that, isn't that how we are, though? That's how Satan lures us. Oh, man, I love this. Oh, I'm all about this. Oh, this, is, this has got my attention. This has got my will and my emotions. This has got my interest. This has got me. And then we realize too late oftentimes... Guys, Satan's not coming in a, in a red suit and pitchfork. He comes with shiny things and good things. Don't be deceived. We must immerse ourselves. We must exalt God by the way we live, by valuing what is important to Him. We're saying that His opinions and His heart are supreme. His opinions, His heart, let this mind be in you. This is what he says, guys. This isn't my words. This is his words. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. And so there's a humbling of ourselves. There's an emptying of ourselves oftentimes. And look, pastor's not arrived. Look, as I'm sitting here reading this and, and preaching this, as I'm studying this, I am also brought to the will and the bowing of heart anew and afresh and again. Repentance isn't a one and done, guys. Repentance is a way of life. But you want to know regeneration? It's a change of direction. That's how you know regenerations that work in a life of someone. And I promise, if any of you had met me on the street 25 years ago, you would have ran the other way and been smart to do so. God gripped my heart and soul. I understand now that I was wasting my life. I was wasting my direction. My purpose was being deceived and deceiving others. And God called me to repentance by His grace, by His love. And He offers that grace and that love to you today. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, hear His voice come. We exalt God when we obey His commands. We're saying that His ways are best. Hence, exalting Him. Well, I think we ought to do it this way. Well, that's great. That's fine and dandy. That may be the way that it needs to be done. But is that God's way? 
you've heard me say this often, and I appreciate Barnett's are celebrating Miss Crystal Barnett, Mama Crystal, Mama, Mama Crystal, uh, are celebrating today, probably watching online, shout out, and they're watching online, and, but Mark, you know, he says this, and I appreciate this, he, he said, Pastor, one of, the favorite, one of my favorite things that grew me the, the most in my walk with the Lord, it was when you made that statement about how a maturing Christian doesn't do, doesn't decide between what's right and wrong. They seek to choose what's best. And I thought, wow, I'm glad he was paying attention. I thought he was texting someone. He was taking notes. <laughs> Guys, but it's true. When I'm a, when I'm a baby, I, I, you know, I act like a baby. But as I begin to grow, I, I begin to hopefully mature. And part of maturing is deciding, okay, can I do this? Sure, I can do this. But is that really best? Mm, yeah, probably not. Well, what is best according to the Word of God? Well, the Word of God says this. So yeah, therefore, I should choose this. And that's growing. That's how we grow. And we're growing always we're, because we're immersing ourselves in the Word of God. And the Word of God is abiding in us. These are ways we worship. These are ways we exalt Christ. So other ways that we exalt we exalt God when we line up what we do with His Word, following His ways. We are saying that He is the final standard, hence exalting Him. Guys, do you understand that the authority of the Scripture is the final word? Period. I don't care what the latest politician says. I don't care what the great news channels you love to watch say. That is not the authority. Thus saith the Lord is the final authority. Man's wisdom, as great as it is, we've got some great thinkers in society and in the world today. We have a lot of intellects. We have a lot of good scientists. But i got news for you. The scientist, the philosopher, is not the end all. Thus saith the Lord is the end all. He is our Lord he is our master. He is the one who gave the laws that uphold science. He is the very philosopher of philosophers. He is the one who is wisdom. And so therefore, if we want to understand things, we must understand these things through the lens of Scripture. And if we don't know the Scriptures, we will not know our way. And so we exalt God when we help other people in their struggles by pointing them to God. We're saying that He is the ultimate source of strength, of comfort, of peace, and hope. Hence, exalting Him. Guys, if there's ever been a time in this world, in our country, that we need to, as a church, exalt Him, it's now. If there's ever been a time that the world needs to see the strength of Christ, the comfort of Christ, the peace of Christ, and the hope, it's now. And He's chosen you. And He's chosen me to be that salt, light, and agent of change. To God be the glory. But this is His plan. This is His mission. So, worship is about exalting God above all else. Singling Him out as the only true God of whom there is none greater. None greater. 
Tim Keller gave this illustration in his sermon, and I want to use it. It was, it was an excellent illustration. He talks about how a woman had received a brooch. She had inherited this brooch, and it had been in the family for generations. In fact, they didn't know how far back it went. But in this lady's mind, it was eh, just a brooch and not really that big of a value. In fact, she very seldom even used it and wore it. And one day she happened to come across it while cleaning up and she decided, you know, I think I'm going to take this and just get it appraised. See, see if I can sell it. See if it's worth something. See what it's worth. And she took it to the jeweler and the jeweler put on his little, his little glass piece here. I don't know what they call that. Somebody Google that later and tell me. And so he's looking and he's observing this. And as he begins to look closer and begins to actually delve in deep, he begins to notice some of its intricate colors, unique, unlike anything he's ever seen before. He then begins to notice how it's designed and how it was made and how it was crafted. And he, he admires and sees the depths and the beauty of this handiwork. And he is just amazed at, at the uniqueness and just the, 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 the value of this brooch. And he tells the lady, as he himself is beginning to get emotional because he can't hardly breathe. He's never seen anything. He's been in jewelry business for 30 plus years and he sees something he's never seen before. And he's amazed and he tells the lady, ma'am, what you have here is a one of a kind. It is priceless. How do you think that lady responded when she discovered the value of what she possessed? Church, hear me. We need to look closer at what we possess. Because I'm telling you, when we understand that value, when we recognize the beauty, when we recognize what we have inherited, oh, to God be the glory. This is of great value. Why do we treat it as if it's not something of worth? That's worship when we understand who He is, when we understand the beauty of who He is, we desire to worship with emotion, with will, with everything we have, intellect, because we know what we have in Him. When it comes to worship, it's not two things happening on Sunday. Right? A lot of times we come here and say, yeah, we got the music and we got the preaching. Guys, it's not two things that happen on Sunday. It's one thing happening on Sunday. And that's exalting Christ. And so when we come together corporately, I want to encourage us all, next time we come together and gather together to worship corporately, let's come with prepared hearts. Let's come to lift our voices as one. Let's exalt Christ in our corporate gathering. Not just through the singing, but also through the interaction of the teaching and preaching of God's Word. Amen? This is worship. Wiersbe said this. He said, True biblical worship so satisfies our total personality that we don't have to shop around for man-made substitutes. William Temple made this clear in his masterful definition of worship. For worship is the submission of all our nature to God. Did you hear that? Worship is the submission of all our nature to God. It is the quickening of conscience by His holiness. 
The nourishment of mind with His truth. The purifying of imagination by His beauty. The opening of the heart to His love. The surrender of will to His purpose. And all of this gathered up in adoration. The most selfless emotion of which our nature is capable and therefore the chief remedy for that self-centeredness which is the original sin and the source of all actual sin. Whew! Wow! Yes! He is our ultimate source. Ephesians 5, 17 and 19. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. You remember this parallel passage when we went through Colossians. Let the word of Christ... You want to know how to be filled with the Spirit instead of drunk with wine? Filled with the Spirit? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. In all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. That's an outflow. A.W. Tozer said, it's hard to bring anything to the table on Sunday if you haven't been feeding Monday to Saturday. Guys, we've got to do better at holding the spoon ourselves and feeding throughout the week. We've got to do a better job about hiding God's Word in our hearts so we won't sin against Him. We make this readily available for you. There's no reason why every single one of you shouldn't be ordering a Word of Life Quiet Time when we make that order, which, by the way, is coming up soon, right? We're going to be starting taking orders in the next couple months, I think. I looked at my wife, she looks at me like a deer in a headlight. <laughs> she does that a lot because I do that, this a lot. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, but I'll make a note. All right. Thank you, honey. But seriously, guys, we have opportunity to open the Word of God every morning. And, and to be on the same page. That's cool. There's many times, Pastor Nate, and by the way, tonight, celebrate Pastor Nate, Jessica, the family. Hey, kids. Uh, we're going to be here tonight. Y'all come out tonight. We're going to show our appreciation to them. Appreciation night. But I know a lot of times the Nate's you know, in and we're talking and having a conversation in the meeting with you. We'll, we'll make that reference. Hey, this was in our quiet time this morning. You know, this is kind of like what, was, what we looked at today. This goes back to what we've been studying. You know? And to be able to have that communion around the things of Christ. Guys, as a whole church, that's awesome. Let the church hear what the Spirit of God is saying. Well, we can't if we're not listening. Because we're not feeding. John 4, 23 and 24 says, But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking. Did you get that? The Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. And we live in a society where it feels like we've only got one rail. Either, you know, it's all about emotion and, there's, and, and they're all about the Spirit, you know. But there's no truth. They're not, they're not 
harnessed by the Word of God. And then we've got others that just, you know, it's, it's so cold, you don't need AC in the church. I mean, yeah, but it's the Word of God, chairs. You know, but truth be told, I, I saw this quote by Steve Lawson. I'll probably get it wrong, but it was something to the effect of, the Bible is boring. What? The Bible is boring to those who are dead in their trespasses and sins. Oh, ugh. wow, yeah. You see, we offer sheep food here. And if you're a goat, this doesn't appeal to you. Y'all catch that one? I ain't talking about the greatest of all time either, but thanks for playing, Seth. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's an ESPN term right there. You know, I'm talking about you know difference between sheep and goats. I mean, talk to the piners. You want to know something about goats, right? They got the goat farm. Be selling some soon. Come see them. But, you know... We're talking about sheep food, goat food. We offer sheep food here. We open the Word of God. We feed the Word of God. And if that don't appeal to you, you might want to do a heart check. Oh, I like a little spirit. You know, woo! Well, that's fine. I'm sure there's a church downtown that'll give you all the spirit you want. But guys, we need both. We need the spirit and the truth. And they must go together. And that's how we worship, in spirit and truth. Most people think worship happens when God is the leader, the people on the platform are the performers, and the congregation is the receiver. True worship happens when the congregation are the worshipers. The people on the platform are merely the leaders, and God is the audience. You you get that, folks? That's good stuff right there. Pastors, singers, our responsibility is to usher people into the audience of one. God, to God be the glory. We're participants in worship. We're active, not passive. The goal of worship. If you truly worship God in spirit and truth, you will be blessed. But getting blessed is not the goal of worship. Glorifying God is. And in doing that, we are blessed. Think about this. Oh, you know, I mean, look, and I understand what you mean when you all oh, got a blessing. And I hope you do get a blessing. But guys, we get the blessing when we have the right object of worship. We're not the center of the sermon. Though sometimes God puts His finger on our hearts, and rightfully so, and to Him be the glory because it's He who knew what you were dealing with. It's Him who knew what your struggles are. And it's Him who calls you. But guys, we don't come to church to receive a blessing. We come to church to glorify God. We come to church together with our brothers and sisters in Christ to encourage and build up one another that we might edify and glorify God together. That's why the church is key to worship. You are not called to be an island to yourself. I don't care that you and Jesus have a good thing going out on the boat on Sunday. That is not biblical. That may feel good for you when you sink a hole in one on the golf course and nobody's there to see because they're all in church and God knows. Ah. That's a preacher joke, by the way. You can look that one up later. He couldn't tell anybody because... Anyway. 
Guys, God is the object. He is the one who is worthy of our worship. He alone. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. Are you satisfied this morning? Are you satisfied in Him? That's what I'm asking. Where are you at in your walk? Some of us need to decrease so that He can increase. Some of us need to lay aside our wants, desires in exchange for His will be done. Jesus demonstrated this in the garden. He was very emotional as a human when He cried out, Father, if there be any other way, please, please let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will be done. Thy will be done. When you read through the Psalms, how many times do you see the psalmist crying out with real emotion? Oh, how long is my soul going to be downcast? How long, God, will you be mad at me? How, how long will I be cast aside? Oh, God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There are these pleas and these emotional cries. And so God knows when you're emotional and when you want to cry out and when you want to scream to God because you don't know where He is. Do that. When you have questions of doubt, ask. When you have concerns and fears, make those known because God desires to hear from you. But notice what always happens in those Psalms. They end up clarifying in the end, just as Jesus prayed in the garden, not my will, thy will. They recognize in you, Lord, alone can I come. Who else can I go to that has the words of life? Where else can I cast my burdens? Oh God, you hear, you are faithful. And what happens is we shift from our emotional human side and weakness to Him and His magnificence and His amazing glory and His sustainability and His faithfulness and His glory. And we recognize He is our source and He is the reason why you and I will ever overcome. Amen? Guys, this world is throwing us all kinds of curveballs. But you know what? It's okay. God's already hit it out of the park. Hallelujah. <laughs> it's a, it's a walk-off Hummer. I mean, it's done. It's finished. Rest in His victory. Be satisfied in Him. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. One goal, church. One goal. Exalt God as one. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the reminder. Um, Lord, in, in, in detouring my heart, even in this section 3 of, of worship, to this truth. Lord, help us as individuals to lay our hearts and our lives before You that we would see the great value of who You are. Be magnified in our own lives, Lord, that You would be made much of. The Shorter Catechism reminds us what is the chief end of man? The question is asked, what is our purpose? 
Why am I here? What is my purpose? And that is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Lord, let that start now. Let that start in my heart and my life now. Let that start in the heart and life of every listener watching online, watching on TV, listening via podcast, those here in this sanctuary. Lord, have Your will in our life. Lord, there's been, it's been a long time since some people have, have been to the altar of God and whether they want to come forward, that's between them and You. But Lord, they can come forward in their heart to You now, right where they're sit, sitting at, Lord. And I pray You will draw them to that place into Your presence to say, Lord, it's been a while. i got to lay this down. Church, what sin is tripping you? Church member, what, what sin is causing you not to run the race well? Lay it down. Please. Lay it down. Jesus is worthy of your worship. Emotion, will, and mind. Your whole personality, your whole nature, your whole being. He's worthy. Church member, maybe... God's pulling at your heart to, to be more involved, to, to be set apart for His service. Can I encourage you, just be obedient to what He wants you to do. We all have our wants, we all have our desires. Maturity is making the decision that's best. What is best? What is best for you? What is best for your family? What is best for your testimony? What is best for your walk? May we all ask at the altar of Christ. Search me. Try me. Consume all my darkness. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. What would you have me do? Give me grace to respond. Would you do that right now, right where you're seated? Now, if you want to talk to someone, you want to pray with someone, you want to have someone counsel with you, you can come down front. Don't hesitate. You can always, this altar is always open. You can jump up, you can come down, you can come sit on this front row. We'll have somebody pray with you, talk with you. Maybe you want to see somebody afterwards. That's fine. Give it to God, though, now. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to respond to the invitation to come. Turn from your sinful ways. Recognize that God alone is worthy. That Christ alone is your only means of salvation. There's no other name under heaven given amongst men by which to be saved. It is the name of Jesus Christ. May you bow your heart and surrender to Him today. Turn to Him and ask by faith and receive His gift that your sins can be forgiven. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection is payment in full for the sins of mankind. And He promises you, whosoever shall call upon His name shall be saved. Call upon His name right now. Just call upon His name where you are. Lord, forgive me of my sin. I want you to be my Savior. I want you to be my Lord. And Lord, by faith, I respond to your calling. And I say, yes, yes, Lord, save me. 
And if you've done that, I, wanna, I want you to make it known. The Bible says that with the heart man believes and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of surrendering your heart and life to Jesus Christ. Let it be known. I'd love to hear from you. Write me, email me, call me, talk to me after service. Pastor, today I called on Christ to save my soul. Today, Lord, I put my faith and trust in Jesus' finished work at Calvary. I'm forgiven. I know I'm forgiven because Christ cannot lie and I know He came to die for my sins and I know He rose again victorious over the grave. And so, Lord, thank You. Thank You for our salvation. Lord, I pray You'll be with us now as we close and as members remain for a short meeting, that You'll be in the presence of our meeting, that there'll be peace, unity, harmony. Lord, that um, as we sort through things, that uh, You'll be our lead, that You'll guide We thank you for your abiding presence and thank you for our visitors today. And Lord, I ask that you encourage their heart to return and be a part of community, especially if they don't have a church home. May this be a place they feel drawn to be a part of. And so Lord, we thank you again for this wonderful time in your word and in your presence. And we give you the praise. And all of God's people said, Amen. At this time, I'm going to Give us just a few minutes. Everybody can stand up, stretch your legs. And uh, if you're a member, we ask that you, if you could, to remain the rest of